0: City Life Church, good morning. Thanks for coming with us. Thanks for meeting us here. This is our Vision Minute for the week. Uh, I'm glad that we're all here. I'm glad that we are together again. I'm glad that we have this avenue to go after church, being church together. That um, we're still here. We're still going. Week whatever of this quarantine, Lord. And, and Jesus, Holy Spirit, please be the one that brings us together. Today, I just want to talk about two things. First, I want to address today, the day that we're filming here on Friday uh june 19th and the significance that it has in our in our country in our history and the history of this nation that it took so long to get the word out to the last remaining slaves in this country is appalling and it's a sad day we believe firmly as followers of christ you know as even our church we're called to pursue gospel change together that uh, we believe in the liberation from oppression from injustice that jesus and god carry the torch uh, against oppression, against injustice in the world in every form. And so today we just acknowledge and we celebrate that this day means freedom. We mourn and grieve that this is a a day that was long overdue, that was even needed in the first place in our human history. And so we're going to respond. We're going to continue to respond by this. I have really felt over these weeks that we needed to respond uh, beyond just MCs, beyond just Sunday mornings, beyond just preaching about it, we need to talk. And so this Thursday, we're actually going to be also interrupting. We've been talking about interruptions a lot in these last two weeks and today. We're going to be interrupting our normal MC schedule and we're going to have a church wide guided discussion about racial reconciliation and about gospel hope. We're going to continue this conversation on this Thursday, June 25th at 8 o'clock. And so let's make it to this call. Let's talk and process with one another. Let's hear. It's not going to be anarchy. It's not going to be Zoom calls all over the place. But we're going to have a guided discussion through what it means to listen and learn and hear the voices that we haven't been listening to for a long time. And then also, what does the gospel, what hope does the gospel bring for us? So this Thursday, June June 25th at 8 o'clock, we'll send out uh, the link in an email to the whole church. Um, But let's be there. Let's show up. Let's talk. Let's hear from even our own people as to why this is all so important. why, Why God leads us to care about justice in our culture today. I also want Sunday, the the day that this airs, is Father's Day. And so we want to acknowledge fathers, all the fathers out there. Uh, another part of what we believe is to find home. And so fathers, happy Father's Day. I'm not going to be preaching specifically about Father's Day today because I, I just want this interruption to continue. But happy Father's Day. We love you. We hope that you know that you are so loved in our community and that you are so important. Uh, have a happy Father's Day. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your kids. And uh, we'll give you a big hug when we come back together. All right. Thanks, church. Let, let's move into our sermon for the week. Good morning, church. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, City Life and visitors. So glad that we're all here. So glad that you are tuned in to hear our word for the week this week. So glad that through all of this, we still remain the strong body together still pouring into one another's lives, pursuing what we're called to, seeking out justice and being home with one another in this difficult time, difficult for many reasons. And this is the third week of our interruption, our interruption series, where we've just put everything that we were doing aside and say, we need to address this because this is so important, this matters. And this has been going on for a long time. And we haven't been talking about it this specifically. And so this is the third week of our interruption. And I just, over the weeks, at first I was struck. I was struck with, like I talked about last week, about just getting it. Getting it when I just didn't get it for a while, for a long time. At least in part. And then... I started to deal with my own racial wounds and my own racial frustrations and, and how I grew up in it and it didn't make sense to me all of this but how now I'm an adult and, and I want God to bring healing to me in my life and, and I've come to this conclusion that I feel that God is telling me very strongly every day that I need black lives to matter. The church needs black lives to matter in our church, in our country, I'm sorry. You know, I've been wrestling. I've been wrestling with my own heart, not because I was ever against black lives mattering, but because I just had so many things in my own way for me to fully grasp and say, yes, I need black lives to matter. And, and I just come to this realization that I just need black lives to matter because I follow Jesus and because he constantly spoke out against injustice and his life's work was about bringing God's holy order into this creation, back into the creation that he made in the first place. And I, I need black lives to matter because injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. The famous Martin Luther King quote, we, we need justice to reign in this land and it will, will never be okay until it does. I need black lives to matter. I need black lives to matter so that my story matters, so that the Native American story matters, so that women's oppression stories matter, so that dreamers and undocumented people and invisible people matter. We need black lives to matter because all of our stories matter, but we need black lives to matter right now because there is oppression happening here that we can clearly see. We need black lives to matter. Now, I've been processing, like I said, my wounds that I carry. I've been processing all of this. A lot of stories that I've even shared with all of you. The story about how when I was in first grade, a friend's mom told me that I couldn't be friends with her son because of where I was born. And then I start crying and she's comforting me. And, and I'm like, why are you comforting me? I don't understand. You don't like me. Why are you doing this? Uh, I, I remember the stories of when my mom told me that growing up I in elementary school, I asked her, Often to change my name from Pedro to Peter, because P- Pedro just got me made fun of a lot. And I, I remember in college being spit, spat on and, and called names that I hadn't been called names in the first time from someone who I thought was my friend. and I see them turn right in front of me from my friend to someone who hates something very deeply about me. And I need, we need black lives to matter in this country. Because God cares very deeply about injustice that happens. God cares very deeply about this. And so this is the third week of our interruption series. I just want to kind of talk about what we've been doing this whole time. At first, the first week of this interruption, we took a major step back. And we just had to realize that there was a huge problem here. And that we needed to repent as a church. That this problem is centuries old. It's so much bigger than, than us. It's so much bigger than one story. It's so much bigger than what you've seen, what I've seen. It's so much bigger. It's systemic. It's huge. And you know what? It's going to take some time. And it's going to take some courage. We have systems in this country that oppress people, specific people, over and over and over again. And we, and we just cannot be okay with that that the gospel, that God's whole narrative should push us, push us, push us, push us to say, no, we're not okay with this and we're actually going to do something about this. There's a big problem and it goes deep. It goes deep. And so I preach from Matthew's account of when Jesus cleansed the temple about how when Jesus saw this injustice and oppression, when he saw that God's house was being used for profit and for gain in all the wrong ways and that Gentiles and women couldn't worship in that place, then he got angry and he, he acted up and he threw people out. And John's gospel said that he made a whip and he just was not okay. And he made it very clear that this is not okay. And that when that happened in Matthew's account, right after the first thing that happens is that Jesus starts to heal people. When God's anger boils up, he heals. God's anger, when it comes, is terrifying, but it makes way for justice to come. And so thank God that he is angry against all of this. Last week, Michael, man, he, he brought his whole heart to us. He brought his story. He brought his tiredness. He brought his heart and he broke down in such a powerful text, Micah 6, 8. When God tells his people that he actually requires us to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with him, that it's a requirement. Hey, if you call yourself... As part of God's family, if that's what you identify as, is that, if that's what you say and you worship Jesus Christ, you know what? You have to, you're required to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly, that our actions matter, that the lives that we live matters, that the what we do with our money matters, what we do with. Our weekends matter what we support and what we don't support, what we stay silent about. All of that matters because God cares about life. Justice isn't just a pie-in-the-sky idea, but it's something that is lived out. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. Michael also brought uh, his heart and he, he walked us through that justice is restorative and not retributive. That God's justice restores creation, restores humanity, gives you and me our humanity back. It has the power to reclaim the oppressor even. It it brings everything back to life in the way that God meant it to. And so God's justice is restorative. And so today we're going to land in another Old Testament prophet. Another really, really unique perspective that further develops God's call for for justice and for mercy and for what he says a society should be built on. And so we're going to take a look at Zechariah. And we're going to we're going to break it down just like we did last week and we're going to make our hearts wrestle with this. Wrestle with the idea, hey, this is important to God, it should be important to me and I should know how to describe it, I should know how to live it out and go after it. And so that's what we're going to do. But before we go anywhere further than this, I want to pray for us. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit just be with us. That he would guide us. That he would move our hearts. That he would cause us to continue to be repenting. Continue to be chasing after what he's been telling us to do all along. And so pray with me. Holy Spirit. Be with us. Be with me as I preach. Lord, move in me and, and inspire my words to, to speak your biblical truth, to speak what you've been saying all along in every page of Scripture, Lord. Help us to see. Lord, help us in all of our apartments, all of our homes, like everywhere that we just are not together physically right now. Help us to hear your word and to do justice like you call us to and help us to see who it is that your justice needs to be extended to. Lord, we love you. You're the reason why we come. You're the reason why this makes sense. You are the reason for everything. And so, Lord, move in our hearts. Prepare us to receive this word. Jesus, we love you. I pray all these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen. So let's talk about Zechariah for a second. We need to build up his story so that we know what we're entering into. So let, let's talk about Zechariah. Let's, let's paint this picture. Let's set up this story, this prophetic book, uh, so that we know where we're going. Zechariah is, let me first say, Zechariah is a weird book. There are flying squirrels. There are angels. There are olive trees. There's all of these things. that we, It's just weird. I'm not going to lie to you, City Life. Uh, Zechariah, parts of it are extremely weird. But in all of the weird, God tells this, this amazing story about a really, really special, important, pivotal time in Israel's history, in his people's history. And so, Zechariah takes place, uh, just for context, long after King David, long after the glory days, Israel is in shambles, it's ruined, it's physically destroyed, it's emotionally destroyed. It's just in pieces. Everything about being part of God's, People is is in pieces. At this point in the history, Israel had divided into two kingdoms. And those kingdoms have fallen. And they went into exile. The exile that had been prophesied for so long actually did happen. It actually came to place. And everything that it meant to be special, everything that it meant to be God's chosen people, the, the pride that they naturally must have carried was just utterly destroyed and and everyone was like what what made us special in the first place what what's going on here why would this happen to us they they were they were so beaten down as a people that uh, those who remained were even were just known as the remnants that there was just this remnant of Israel that even the people that They felt so lost and and their identity had been stripped from them so much that they just they weren't even a people. They were just this remnant that was still there. And, And just let's let's spend one second and think about what it would look like for us as Americans to just have everything that makes us a people, everything that makes us American, you know, this pride that we have. And just everything just destroyed. How, how would we feel? What would we feel like if another country came in, took us over, and dragged us all around the world and even divided us? How would it feel to lose whatever you thought made you special? But God, because he is faithful, because he made a covenant that he is faithful to with Israel the story wasn't done quite there yet. That even in all of that turmoil, God was doing something, birthing something out of them that they couldn't even expect. And so when the time for the exile had come, after 70 years, God made out, he worked out something that only he could do. He performed a miracle and convinced the kings to, to let their people go back to Israel to rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple. And so this, 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 Seed of the new Israel was coming and people were returning to Israel, but they found that life there was really, really, really hard. And behind the scenes, God was moving. He was moving politically. He was moving all the pieces. He was making them have uh, resources, economic resources to come back and be able to build. God was moving all over the place. But behind the scenes, God was teaching them uh, one really, really special word, one really difficult word. It's simple. It's just this word, if. If, if, if. Zachariah, in many ways, is a story about God saying if. And it plays such an important part of this story. The, the, one of the first times we see it is in chapter four here when God appears to Zechariah through an angel and this angel lays out the plan that God has for Israel all of the good things all of the amazing things that he was going to do and rebuild and and the relationship that they would have with God would be restored would be restored excuse me but then he he uses this word if if they relied solely on god's spirit chapter 4 verse 6 says this not by might nor by power but by my spirit and so the the project to rebuild israel wasn't going to rely on politics politics alone won't do anything it's not going to be finances it's not that they're the richest country in the world because that was not the case it's not that they were strong or it's not that they had a show of power it was not their military might it wasn't this it wasn't that it wasn't even their the laws that they had that made them better no it was that they were supposed to rely on god's spirit and god's spirit alone and whenever we think we can work just without god's spirit and just do it this way or that way or politically or economically and this it just won't last nothing lasts without god's spirit being in it and so what a this isn't our main point for today, but let's let's land here for one second. Let's land the plane here and just think about it. As we search for answers to racial reconciliation in our country, we see now the brokenness that's here in in, in our land, and and we have to realize right off the bat that nothing will be done that will last if it's not with god if it's not the church being a part of this if it's not god's people who are called by his name to be a part of building a just society here it won't last it won't last god is the only one who makes things last only the one the only one who brings good things and makes them last but Zechariah's story continues and ultimately, God starts uh, pointing out some leaders to Zechariah. He starts pointing out this man named Joshua, who would become the, the, the first high priest. And he says this in chapter 6, starting in verse 12. And say to him, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold the man who come, whose name is the branch, for he shall branch out from this place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. It is he who shall build the temple of the Lord and shall bear royal honor and shall sit and rule on this on his throne. And there shall be a priest on his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both. And the crown shall be in the temple of the Lord as a reminder to Helam, Tobijah, Jediah, and Hen, the son of Zephaniah. And those who are far off shall come and help to build the temple of the Lord. And you shall know the Lord of hosts has sent me to you, and this shall come to pass, if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. If this big word in Zechariah comes up again, that all of these things will happen, that Israel will be rebuilt, that honor, that there will be this temple, and it will be a reminder to everyone and the People would come from far away if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. It's, it's amazing how when God puts his the word if in his commandments, in his covenants, we, we just freak out. You know, if I think is a, is a word that we honestly hate when God uses. I don't think if has ever really pleased us when God uses it. We use it all the time with him. When we require things of him, when we tell him to do stuff for him, and then if he does it, we'll, we'll be faithful to him. He'll have our hearts. If throws us into the theological despair often, we ask him questions like, God, God, why would you let this happen? Why doesn't he just do what I want him to do? Why do you require me to do this or to do justice? That Why are you causing your blessing to only come at certain times? And we forget, and I think it's because we forget that this is a relationship and that he is our father and that he is a good father and teaches us and leads us in good ways. That he is a holy and benevolent father and he's not a vending machine. And God has every right to say if to us. But let's put that down. We're going to put this idea of if down for a second. We're going to pick it back up later. Because Zachariah's story, it gets it gets bigger, it gets grower. And God is building their society He's building their temple. He's rebuilding what it means to be his people. And then in chapter 7, he pauses. And this is our main text for today. Today's sermon looks different. It's not as linear as, as I try to always do. But we're telling the story that God told us. In chapter 7, he, he takes a pause here. He sends his word to come to Zechariah. And he says something super important. The whole, really, you should read the whole chapter, but we're focusing on verse, chapter 7, verse 8 to 12. And God's word says this. And the word of the Lord came to Zacharias saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. So this is our main text for today. This is where we are sticking ourselves in. This is what we're going to break down to further understand God's call for his people to be about justice, to be about mercy and kindness, to build a society that is fair and to eliminate injustice and oppression whenever we see it. And so we're going to do this by looking at three things in this passage today. The first one being, who is God's justice for? Justice builds the kingdom and then lastly, Jesus picks up the call. Who is God's justice for? We, we've looked at, or we, at least we've tried to look as a church, about what justice is. And this week, we're, we're taking one step forward and saying, who is it that God has been saying in his scripture over and over and over again that needs this justice to come to them, to change their lives? Who is it? God consistently in his word gives us this group here the widow the fatherless the sojourner and the poor god consistently throughout his scripture talks about these groups of people talks about these who um, are often overlooked and often stripped and often have no voice the widow the fatherless the sojourner and the poor No, Deuteronomy 27, 9 is just one place where God talks about them. And he says that he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. God has always built his kingdom, his his country. He has always moved Israel to care about these people who are always behind the eight ball, to use an expression, who always did not have a voice at the table who are always oppressed who always needed help who always didn't have what everyone else had that God loves these people that he is constantly telling his people to care and to provide for these people it's really a call that jumps at our face all the time in scripture the widow the one who had no means of a future who couldn't work who was so limited in what she could do to provide for herself and often had to put herself in harmful situations to make it by. The, the fatherless, the one who was starting off life with already this stigma on their lives, with, this, with a lack of resources, with a lack of a future, with a lack of so many things, the sojourner, or the stranger, the Old Testament also talks about this. Someone from another country who comes into Israel. That God made provisions in his economy and his society to always take care of these. For all of these people, uh, let me give you a homework assignment. Google the word gleaning and see what it is. That how God always had provided ways for these people who couldn't provide for themselves to be cared for, to know that, to be shown that God cares about them and that he wants them to have fuller lives. And that while the blessing is coming, he's going to provide for them in other ways. Now, I think that this really clashes in our face as Americans, as they coming from this culture that strongly values picking yourself up by your bootstraps. For some people, you know, that is just, there are so many obstacles and so many things saying no and and so many things, not allowing them to do that, that God calls his people to be about, about lifting up the people who are at the bottom, who have no resources, who don't have a voice, who aren't at the table, who will never be heard or even seen, and will never have our hearts be impacted by their stories or the gifts and the talents that God has given them. In God's economy, in God's society, he always makes sure That those who are lowest are cared for, are raised up, and that God, over and over again, read Matthew 5, read the Beatitudes, he will lift up everyone whose face is down, who's in the struggle, he will make a way out. That is who our God is. And so like here, I, I love this call. One of the reasons why we set, why I settled on Zachariah's call for us is because here he tells, he warns his people. Hey, be, when starting in verse 11, but they refused and he's talking about their ancestors. He's giving them a warning. So, hey, your ancestors refused to listen to me. They refused to turn around their stubborn shoulders. And you know what? They even stopped their ears. And in the process of stopping their ears from hearing me, they made their hearts diamond hard. And they never understood what God was saying. They never lived in God's spirit in the way that they were meant to. This is another idea that Zechariah picks up later and we're going to carry later. But I just want to be really clear that, yes, there is spiritual oppression that all men and women everywhere in the world, if you don't know Jesus, you are under spiritual oppression. And Jesus has something very real for us. We need to spread the gospel because everyone needs to be freed of the spiritual oppression. But let's never forget that God over and over and over again in his word cares about physical oppression, societal oppression. That he cares about the people who are, do not have the power to change their circumstances. Jesus, God calls his people to be people who care about that. And so let's take this even a little bit further and let's talk about justice builds the kingdom. One of the awesome things about this unique picture that Zachariah shows us is that they're in a time of rebuilding God's kingdom, rebuilding what it meant to be God's people. They're rebuilding this from, from scratch, really. And then God gives them gives them these assignments to do. Zachariah is supposed to motivate them to rebuild the the, not the walls, that was other people to rebuild this temple to motivate them to get their hearts to be in this work because as they're doing this physical thing they're also doing this spiritual and emotional thing of rebuilding their country and their identity and it's this picture that we we are we join the work that Jesus started us as new covenant people, as people who live after Jesus, we join in the work of ushering God's kingdom, building it here very practically in the things that we do and how we live our lives and how we pursue justice. And I want to talk about two vitally important Hebrew words that are so central to understanding not even just this, but all of the Old Testament and leading up into the New Testament. Let's go back to verse 9 here. Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. And it's these two words here of judgment and kindness. Some of the most theologically important words in the Old Testament. Judgment is this Hebrew word for mishpat, and it's really translated in a lot of ways. It's one of these huge words that gets translated in many different ways in our English because it means so much and mishpat is this idea is often translated as justice is this idea of a society that is just mishpat is this just society that God cares about when we come all come together and share our lives he cares about the society that we're creating and we're building this kingdom we're building this temple or now us we're ushering in God's kingdom and what we do builds this society so what are we doing are we rendering just judgments then he also throws in this word here chesed it's it's the Hebrew word chesed it's it's guttural so I tried to teach Michaela last week, but he he was not willing to say it. Um, chesed, and Chesed is this idea of kindness, but it's so much more than that. Chesed is when you see someone in need, you're just moved to help them, and you give them whatever you have. You now there are some other words that we say our kindness and goodness uh, that come out of the Hebrew. hesed is this idea that, you know what? If I see this need, I'm not just going to fulfill this need, but I'm going to give you everything that I have because I, I cannot afford for you to be lacking. I cannot afford for you to be around me. I can't see what you don't have. I can't see the oppression that you're under and do nothing, but I'm going to do more than just give you a little bit. I'm going to give you whatever I have so that we are both standing on equal terms because I, ha- I have more than you i have more privilege than you or i have more money than you i have more uh in their days more food than you i can't i have another tunic i just can't see you not have these things i have to give you what i have because i i just cannot live in this place here when we are unequal And really, these these are the words that that build God's society, build God's ethic for loving one another, for treating one another with kindness, for making sure that there isn't lack. Because in God's body, there's there's never a lack. If we really believe in this God who made everything, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as what scripture says, meaning that he's very rich, who has everything and spoke everything into being he didn't even have to work to make it he just spoke it and it is and how are we going to limit what that god can do when i see someone in need i need to pour everything i i have right now to give to you because i cannot be okay with what with that you don't have and in doing this we are building the kingdom together zechariah is the story about how we are building this kingdom, but there's still a kingdom that's coming that's not quite yet here. In in the in some of the dreams and this um, pattern that Zechariah develops here, he's, he constantly talks about, okay, we are building this land here. We're rebuilding Jerusalem because God told us to. But we are also partnering into making, preparing the way for this kingdom to come that's not here yet. For this kingdom, this heavenly kingdom with this ruler, uh, this book, more than most of the Old Testament prophets, is known as a messianic prophecy. Jesus is all over this. Glimpses of Jesus is all over this book. And I think it's so perfect and it's so beautiful because Zachariah is like, hey, we're building this, guys. We're building this kingdom. We're building this building for God's presence around." But you know what? This is really setting up this kingdom that's not quite yet here. And there's going to be this king who is not quite yet here, but he is going to be Uh, So good. And he is going to fight this thing. So we need to be about chesed. And we need to be about mishpat for one another. You know why? Because we are building the kingdom now. And So I I just want to put that down a little bit. And and talk about this last point here. Which is Jesus picks up the call. So I got a little carried away. And I I started bleeding point three into point two. Forgive me. That will never happen again. But more than most other uh, prophetic books. Zechariah is moved by God to keep on pointing towards this Messiah figure. For this 14 chapter book, it's not even that long, 14 chapters, he constantly is having these glimpses of this king or this shepherd that is going to come with, within his dreams or later on in the last from chapters 9 to, to 14 really encompass the, this kingdom that is coming that's not quite here. It, it really captures this idea. And over and over and over again, he gets these glimpses of this king. In, in chapter 3, verses 8, in chapter 6, verses 12, um, he talks about this branch that's going to come and that's going to be a part of God's tree and that this branch here will spread and that this kingdom will go with it. In chapter 9, verse 9. He talks about Jerusalem's king who would come in riding on a donkey. That's we covered that story mo- a couple months ago during right before Easter. That that Jerusalem is is yearning and waiting for this king. He's not here yet. We have these earthly kings here that that the book talks about, but you know what? They just point to this one that's coming. They just glimpses of him, and they're never going to be as good as him. But we're waiting for this king, and we need to. Chapter 13, verse 7, talks about the shepherd who will come and take care of God's flock and how this this new Jerusalem is going to come and how a river of flowing water is going to run out of it because of this shepherd who comes and takes care of his people. And chapter 12, verse 10, talks about this one who is pierced, who is finds its fulfillment in jesus when he's pierced on the cross and over and over and over again we get these glimpses of this king who calls us to justice whose kingdom is about justice and who fights oppression everywhere who takes care of all the ones who can't take care of themselves all of the ones who are suffering all of the ones who have lost their voices all of the ones who are not from here they're strangers they're sojourners Uh, but you know what there's room for you here in my kingdom. Jesus picks up this Old Testament call. You know, so far, we've, we've stuck in these last two weeks with Michael's sermon and my sermon today. We've, we've been in the Old Testament because this call to justice has been an old call to justice. This call to mishpat, to, to render judgments rightfully, this call to kindness, chesed, that gives away everything that you have for the sake of this person. God's been calling us towards this for a long time. He's also been telling us who needs those voices for a long time. We we can update that list a little bit more now with with some other parts of our culture that weren't a part of Jesus' culture. Racial tension, we very firmly believe, goes into this category here of that we oppress one another and that to to protect our rights, we, we take it away from others so we can update that list a little bit but god's kingdom the one that's coming the one that's on its way still is the one that is equal to all people that god jesus died on the cross for all of the people to join and so jesus picks up this call from the old testament and over and over and over again in the new testament in his gospels He's calling out to people. He's saying, you know what? I'm the great physician. I came here for those who are sick. And so we ask ourselves, are we sick? Where do we need Jesus? I love how Jesus picks up this call, how it continues this narrative of scripture. And it goes all the way down to revelation when, when God's kingdom finally comes and we finally receive the tree of life again where it says that the leaves are for the healing of all all the nations and all the people, that God's justice is for everyone. And in every culture, every society, God cares about justice and how we live our lives. And so we pick up this word again, if. Because God in Zechariah's story picks up this story, if, often. Over and over and over again for this short book, he brings up this story, this if, and it's this idea that Zachariah Paints to us. It's, are we willing to put our lives, are we willing as a church to pursue justice? Because if we do, we experience heaven here on earth. Glimpse of heaven, it'll never be perfect. But the work that we do here to restore justice, to restore people's rights and dignity and the image that they bear that is from God. That if we do that, then we get to partner in what God's doing now and that the kingdom comes in our lives as a church and as individuals and that God will change us here even before we meet him. One, one of the things that I love about the justice narrative in scripture is that we are saved We are saved no matter what. If you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're saved. But you know what? If we do these things here on earth, if we partner in with Jesus, we are ushering his kingdom here now before we die, before we go meet him, before we stand before him and give a testament of our lives. We can do that now. And so City Life, this is why we want to pursue justice. This is why we're picking up this call right now. Because we want to see God's kingdom come here. We want to see his justice reign in in our lives, in my heart. I want God's justice to come in my heart and wipe me of all my impurities. Wipe me of all the wounds that I carry. I need black lives to matter because my story is going to matter too. I need all of the stories of oppression to matter because we we all need to be whole. We all have dirty hearts and I need God's kingdom to come and to change me. Make me this new creature that God promises he will make me. And so if, if is a question that I am raising for us today. That if we believe in Jesus, if we believe in the the narrative of scripture, the story that God told us, that every page is about him bringing order and justice and his kingdom back to us. And if we really believe that we need to be a part of practically start finding out justice for our city, spiritually living, bringing freedom into our city, setting the captives free. That's how Jesus started his ministry here. And so, church, if we believe in Jesus, if we really confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then what, how are we going to be pursuing justice, spiritual justice, physical justice, restorative justice like michael talked about last week how are we going to be pursuing justice for the the poor for the fatherless for the widow for the sojourner it's not going to come overnight and i i part of this call for us is really tied to the longevity of how long we follow this I pray that in five years, we're still talking about justice and we're still practically finding ways to bring justice into Jersey City, housing, food, police brutality, anything about our society. How are we going to do this is going to be linked to the longevity of our commitment to what God has called us to, That in five years and 10 years, in a couple of decades from now, How is City Life still pursuing God's justice here that changes the city and brings God's kingdom a little bit closer? I love how much God cares about this in his biblical narrative. And so if God cares this much and talks about it so much, then church, we need to be about what he's about all the time. And I think it's possible. And we're going to be taking steps like this Thursday And we're going to continue to talk about this. I'm going to preach about this for at least one more week next week when we preach to the oppressor through Saul, Paul's story. Yeah, I, I pray that this interruption here causes a response from us that lasts the rest of our lives until we actually pass and enter God's kingdom fully. We are all about kingdoms that... That are here but not in its fullness, that Jesus will bring back in its fullness one day. And so let's start the work now. Amen. So, just to conclude really quick, who is God's justice for? It's for all of us, but it's definitely for those who are suffering, whose society casts down and doesn't value. It's for all those at the bottom who we have to continue to lift up at the bottom economically, spiritually, in all of the ways that we can be. Secondly, justice builds the kingdom. That what we do here goes towards building God's kingdom here in Jersey City. That if we love these people that Jesus tells us to love and and serve them and find a ministry outreach for us as a church to really commit to, We're we're doing God's we're partnering with God's work to bring His kingdom here. Zechariah teaches us that, and that Jesus picks up this Old Testament call to love for everyone who isn't loved, to take care of everyone who is oppressed, and to die and to sacrifice and to give what we have, give away our privilege, give away our money, give away our time, our service, our attention, all of this to give it away so that it better suits someone else because we have been so blessed. And we want God to continue to be blessing our city. So with all of this. Today we're going to be going into our MC calls. I'm going to give us some prompts. For us to wrestle with. With our our teams. But then next week we're going to come. And we're going to do one big city life call together. And we're going to take communion. We're going to talk about justice a little bit more. And then we're going to take communion. And remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. So that we can all have his blessings, and share it with the rest of the world, all right? Let me, let me pray for us really quick before we get our prompt questions. Jesus, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for how good you are. Lord, you are so good, and we are just scratching the surface of what you really did for us and how you care about all people. Lord, help us to look like a community that, that has answered the if questions that we will 100% go after what you have for us and the justice that you want to see in our local context. Lord, we love you, and I pray all of these things in your precious name, in Jesus' precious name, amen. The first question is, how do you need God's justice? We are all broken people. We all have broken hearts. We all are limited in what we know. And so how do you need God's justice? How do you need him to right the wrongs that have been done to you so that we can become healthy so that we can become passionate about jesus and give that justice to other people in our city prompt two do you refuse to listen to god about a particular area of your life are there still areas of your life where you just are off limits to god we read here in our main text today about how israel hardened themselves towards what god wanted them to do How they never fully grasp their call to justice and they oppress one another. And so is there an area of your life that you you need to invite Jesus into so that we can pursue justice together? Or an area of your heart that you need God to just really deal with and mature you in so that we can pursue gospel change together for our city? The last question, question number three. How does our covenant of grace further empower us to pursue justice in our lives? We are in much better place than Zechariah was because we have been given the Holy Spirit. We carry God with us everywhere that we go. Once you confess Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. And so in this covenant of grace that we live under, how does that give us an advantage to pursue gospel change for our city together? We live in a special time. We live in a special covenant that Jesus offered to anyone who calls him Lord. And so how does that continue to push us towards pursuing justice for the people who need it in our society? Church, I love you. City Life will talk to you soon. We'll see you on Thursday at the call. And um, I pray that God be with you every day of this week. love you.